0: Hello, and welcome to the Told You So podcast. I'm Brink.
1: And I'm Carla.
0: And today we're going to be talking about climate change and what to do about it.
1: Yes. Loaded, loaded, (laughs) loaded subject. One that I think is going to be fun to explore.
0: Yeah, and obviously this is uh, spurred by current events. Right now there is a young woman named Greta Thunberg I, I I can keep trying to do Scandinavian words and fail harder and harder. Uh, Brink
1: is such a frustrated. Greta Viking. Thunberg.
0: <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I, sorry. I took a 23andMe test, and there's no Viking in my Irish uh, ancestry.
1: Aww.
0: It just means that my ancestors were badass enough to fight off all the Vikings that okay. were you know invading you know. from Denmark. So more
1: right. more Celtic? No, yeah, just Irish. The Irish. Yeah.
0: From Western and Southern Ireland. Yeah, on, I'm English. I'm
1: English Irish, which w- with with a touch of Viking. All
0: right. Well, we're we're already mildly off topic, but it, not really, because Greta Thunberg uh, sailed the seas on a modern Viking longship to America. Uh, a solar, solar pal- A solar longship. It wasn't a longship. It was just a regular ship. But uh, anyway, so she came to America. Uh, in a very... uh, uh,
1: Dramatic fashion.
0: Consciously environmentally friendly way, performatively environmentally friendly, one might say, uh, to speak at the UN about climate change, where she uh, railed against the politicians and the old, the olds who fight against the youngs and how uh, we should all be ashamed and everyone should be ashamed. And... Anyway, it was obviously, as you can tell from my description, a very uplifting speech uh, (laughs) um, that spurred a lot of discussion. Uh, So we thought that we might sort of throw our two cents in the ring. Um, So from the issue, uh, sort of from the start, I think it's kind of interesting to talk about maybe both of us a little bit, uh, our journey with climate change in terms of... uh, Like, how have we thought about this as an issue? Because I think that one of the ways, uh, one of the things that's not talked about enough is how people uh, come to their opinion on the issue of climate change, because it's rather nebulous. And more than anything, it's like a social identifier. Um, You know, it's like a kind of pro life, pro choice issue. You know what I mean? Where you can really quickly divide social groups or or peer groups. um, And if you have an unorthodox opinion on it, it becomes much harder to be part of the in group. Do you, I mean, am I talking crazy here?
1: No, I mean, I guess so. I I don't, I mean, I, I think that the powers that be and sort of vested interests try and divide it according to those lines. I don't necessarily see it that way. I mean, for me, I am skeptical about everything, and so <laughs> this is another thing I'm skeptical about because I'm skeptical whenever people, uh, you know, jump in ships and sail to the UN and tell us we need a global solution to a problem and that right. it's going to cost everything and let's make a giant authoritarian government to monitor all these things. That gets. All my hackles up. Do I love the environment? Do I like nature? Would I like Earth to stick around? Yes, to all of the above, right? Well, I mean, I I
0: wasn't saying that it should be divisive like that. I just mean that in terms of, um, like, identity formulation, when somebody comes up with who they are, you know, if you ask somebody who they are and what they believe, like...
1: uh, Well, but I feel like the debate has been sort of shifted to like you're either you understand that there's climate change and we need to have a war on climate, I guess, or war on, (laughs) I don't know, war on something. Another war on people. And (laughs) then another war on people, right? Or, you know, the other flip side that I hear all the time is you're a climate denier. And I'm like, well, I'm neither of those things. I'm just someone who's trying to figure it out. Well, but this is what
0: I'm saying. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that either of those are right, but what I'm saying is that people with the issue have organized themselves in such a way that uh, it's hard to like, it's like being a Catholic versus a Protestant, in, in Northern Ireland, you know what I mean? Like, it's a contentious issue. And it's one of those, like, uh, if you're a progressive, it determines whether you're, like, a fully participating human in the world or, like, a troglodyte. And if you're, you know, a conservative, it determines whether you're a soft, mush-headed liberal who's willing to believe anything or a strong man willing to stand up for coal. But, um... <laughs> so, like... like it, and again, I'm I'm not describing what reality has to be. I'm just describing the way that you know people are acting with the issue, and it's unfortunate because I think that the uh, the truth of it isn't you know either we're all doomed unless we become a global socialist utopia, or everything is totally cool and we should never ever think about the environment. Both of those are very silly extreme positions.
1: Right, and and like with most other things, that's sort of where we are at this stage, right? We're allowing the fringes to to form the debate in a way that we really shouldn't. I mean, for me personally, like I said, you know, I, I love the environment. I like nature. I want the world to stick around. I don't believe everything everyone is saying about stuff. Like, I mean, I think the hockey stick, um, Climate change, yeah. you know, the heating index uh, has been debunked. I mean, that was something that came yeah. out with uh, the WikiLeaks leaks. Um, very, That's very still associated limply, in everyone's
0: mind with...
1: You know, very limitly yeah. covered. Uh, we know that there is corruption that happens in academia, where if you follow the money, people have vested interests in sort of positioning things in a certain way. So I think that the um, there is climate change. I mean, if there's one thing we know about hmm. the weather... It's that it changes. <laughs> it changes. So, you know, when the debate sort of shifted, you know, you should always look at language, right? So, and, and, and when people start to shift language in a way to try and formulate and form, right. you know, make people think in a certain way. And when we moved from global warming to climate change, I was like, that's a bit of a red well, and flag. Well, as, as we'll
0: talk about a little bit later, it went global cooling, global warming, climate change.
1: Right, and so and now
0: climate catastrophe.
1: Yes, and so poor (laughs) Greta. You know, I I genuinely sort of feel for this young woman. She, um, as far as I understand, is actually on the autism spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And a little bit of what I, the sense I get from her is almost like she's being used as a pawn. There's, there's a very exploitative. Aspect to all of this for me, like didn't she? She got on the ship, but then yeah. <sighs> they also flew out all these sailors she yeah, be she's on the got, ship with a... her. So the actual carbon imprint of this dramatic thing that happened was yeah. like worse than her just flying well, and,
0: and to you the know, event. To the surprise of nobody, with firing brain cells, uh, you know, her whole initial climate strike—it was not. She just did it, and magically, everyone got interested. There was a PR firm involved. Um, it was you know constructed. Like all things that go viral globally in mainstream media, basically, right? <laughs> um, because you need to know how they work to construct things properly. But uh, no, and I hope you know I, I wasn't intending to uh, make fun of her earlier. But it's a, uh, and actually, I kind of disagree in that I don't I don't think that it's so much exploitative. I mean, I remember when I was sixteen, I had very strong opinions. Um, I was a crazy libertarian then. <laughs> State uh, isn't sobering. Yeah, who would have <laughs> guessed? A crazy libertarian with a little more of a... I wasn't, like, fully full-blown anti-war yet. Because when I was 16, that was, like, right after September 11th-ish. And I was very much like, yeah, like we got to get the bad guys with our army. That's why we have, like, that's the one thing government does. Anyway, I've kind of, like, put on that. Anyway, the point being... I could have given a lot of impassioned speeches when I was 16. I was giving them at my high school uh, to anybody that would listen about you know the stupidity of the war on drugs and you know the wrongness of economic policies that reward you know incentivize bad behavior. Um, nobody ever had me go to the UN to talk about it though. No, and I, uh, even and, though and, and, I was and a precocious 16-year-old, and you know, I, wish, I guess the war I on wish drugs little doesn't carry brink, that Little
1: big brink, I guess. <laughs> that was about um, the
0: same size. Was,
1: <laughs> I, you know, if Little Big Brink was at the UN espousing solid uh, libertarian policies, you know, I I would like a, I would like to see that. I would <laughs> rather see that than this sort yeah. of, um, you know, economic policy. I think that's the way we should think about climate change, right? Mm-hmm. So I I am certainly in the camp where I will say I was slightly shocked. Um, I'm reading Edward Snowden's memoir right now, and we should definitely—I know you're going to read it next—and yes. we'll do a show on it at some stage. But um, you know, it was—it was a throwaway sentence in the book where he was talking about various things that he, you know, knows about because he had access to a lot of information, sure. and he's a curious guy who sat around as a sysadmin and just read a lot of stuff, yeah. right? And so one of the sentences in the book is just "climate change is real." And I was like, oh, well, if any say climate change is real, you know, Carla's gonna sit up and, and listen. And so I mean, I've never had the position that it's real or not real. Mm-hmm. I've just had a position of I don't trust anyone who's taking a position one way or the other on it because I think everyone is pushing different things. So the fossil yeah. fuel guys are like, ah, eh, that's not right. happening no, at burn, all. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem true. Burning either. lots of
0: dinosaurs is good for the environment. You know, actually. And,
1: and on the flip <laughs> side, the Gretas of the world, you know, I'm like, I don't believe right. you guys either yeah. because I don't think we're at an apocalyptic the world is gonna end stage right
0: and, and as with most things you know the extremes are dumb most of the time <laughs> like, and yeah so just to, to like a little bit about my my thoughts on this issue and how I arrived at them um, when I was a kid I don't know if you remember this but there was a, there was a cartoon called Captain Planet and oh my god it was the most like didactic Teaching tool cartoon where number one, the villains are all like businessmen and they're all like comical caricatures of businessmen like one I mean, of them, are
1: their names Baron and Robert? No, no, like one of them is his
0: name is Hoggis <laughs> Greedley,
1: and he's okay. and he's literally
0: a capitalist pig. <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> Wow! Yeah,
0: and uh, and then yeah, there is a dude named Baron, but it's like Baron Goo or something. and He just like loves pollution, Oh, wow. and he just runs companies to pollute stuff.
1: Good grief!
0: I know it's like, what the hell does he sell? What is this? How's <laughs> he, uh... he making all his money? Is this,
1: like school propaganda stuff, well, was, or uh, was Saturday it in the newspaper? Or... Saturday
0: morning, It was like a mainstream. Oh, it was on TV. Yeah, on TV. Oh wow! Yeah, it was. And uh, what was it called? Captain Planet. Oh wow! And it was I'm five go check five kids. That out. Well, it was the first of the like. Um, it was a very progressive series. They went and it was like, we're going to have one of each of the races and one of the genders because it was the 90s and that was two genders and that was progressive at the time. But <laughs> having women as well, we'll as men. Well,
1: include a girl. But,
0: yeah. Ex- well, girl
1: pig. Yeah, so who
0: else, I can't remember, but it's like a, a ginger American dude who like plays football and like – a like... A quintessential Svetlavia. Archie. Yeah. And then okay. like a blonde Russian woman and a Asian girl. And then <laughs> a dude from Latin America named Mati. And <laughs> Mati, they all have like a ring and it all has... They have powers. And Mati is his heart and it's the most useless ass power in the universe. <laughs> like he can talk to animals or something. It's not really clear. And then when their powers combine, they summon Captain Planet, who's our hero Gonna take pollution down to zero.
1: Okay. <laughs> anyway. Give a so... hoot, don't pollute. Never be a dirty bird <laughs> but... in the city or in the woods. Help keep America <laughs> looking good. Hoot but... hoot. <laughs> That's what I grew up yeah. with.
0: <laughs> Capital Planet was more aggressive. He like uh, physically assaulted the businessmen. <laughs>
1: Because, right, that because was what you have to do. Well, I mean, in, in, at the heart of it, that is what progressives believe, right? Yeah. They believe that you need to be able to use violence against people <laughs> whose ideas you disagree uh, with. So, unfortunately, yeah. and that is a reality. That and is I've, what the force of the yeah. state is.
0: So I guess I've always had a sort of contrarian, anti-authoritarian, don't-tell-me-what-to-do streak – and it did not have the intended effect on me. I Captain mean,
1: America? Captain, it, Planet, Captain I'm Planet, I'm sorry. Yeah. It did, did not work for no, you. No,
0: it, it just made me think, like, what the hell are these bad guys doing all day? Other than, like, if they were just polluting stuff, they would go to jail. If, if all they do is pollute... <laughs> Right. They'd, be, so, they'd be broke and also go to jail.
1: So so part of what you're saying is that they didn't really cover the the beneficial aspects of some things that do right. come out of, you know, like plastic They just made it sound like people. the point of
0: business is to destroy the earth.
1: Right. I, I mean, plastic <laughs> is actually a very useful thing that has probably helped yes. to extend uh, the lives of millions, if not billions, of people. And right? if you're a
0: vegan, it's what all of your fake leather stuff is made out of
1: (laughs) (laughs) out of fossil fuels Mm. yeah
0: but anyway so you know I I had that like uh, pushback impulse with all that stuff and recycling was also being pushed really hard as like we're gonna save the earth by recycling which also I was like how did those two things add up I don't understand
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely a, a early experience for me in San Francisco having immigrated from South Africa that probably wasn't really concerned with, you know, like this is definitely something that people are, are, as we become more economically wealthy, become more concerned about, right? right? So you know, if you're in India, you're probably worrying about potable water more than you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, is there a hole in the ozone? But when we were in San Francisco, that was when they were introducing recycling for the first time, Mm -hmm. sort of in the city and it was mandatory, not voluntary. We had all the dustbins and and I did at the time, I was was looking at it through an economic lens where I was curious as to, you know, does this make sense economically or, you know, or not? Mm-hmm. And at the time, and I think this still holds true today, a lot of uh, the recycling is just it. It doesn't work. It's more, it's not cost effective. And it and, costs and,
0: energy and pollutes. And yeah. Because you have to burn fossil fuels to recycle. Yes. Because it takes energy. So
1: so it's a <laughs> solution that was introduced that um, actually has a worse outcome, but it makes people feel good, which I guess yes. is like the world we live in now.
0: Or the world that we've always lived in, maybe.
1: Um, but <laughs> well, I want to live so... in a world where I'm actually doing good and feeling good about actually doing good, not feeling good about not doing good.
0: I agree. But that's a lot to ask. But, <laughs> but anyway, so so the point being, when I when I first heard about global warming, which is what I heard about it as uh, in high school, my immediate response was like, "That sounds like it's made up." And uh, so, you know, my 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 gut reaction has been, "This sounds like a made up reason to get policies that people want in place." And I think that there's some truth to there are people that see this as an opportunity uh, to get policies they want in place. Uh, You can tell from the Green New Deal, you know, when you read that and it's like, oh, uh, universal housing, universal jobs, like, gee whiz, this reads like the wish list of like the Democratic Socialists or like, you know, it's an it's an agenda that's been proposed as the solution to manifold, you know, so many problems, <laughs> and it's always ready to go when there's a crisis. Uh, hey, all we need to do is... uh Well, well, you, you know, know. <laughs> I mean, the world
1: is going to end in 13 years, right break, Might as well try know? something different. You know, that actually is something that really, really, really irks me, is that, you know, this narrative that's out there, if you're a young child, you would actually be terrified. Like, yeah. if you're, like, half awake, child, and like the grown-ups are telling you the world's going to come to an end, we're all going to die. I mean, I feel like that's close to child abuse. I mean, it's not right. And the thing is, we know, historically speaking, that these kinds of bullshit stories mm -hmm. have... I mean it's a cycle, right? Like I yeah. you know what, what for me it was like nuclear holocaust when I was little, right? That's right. what they scared us with. But I'm going to assume, you know, like acid rain, um I mean and we did something about that, right? Like the rainforests yeah. were going to be destroyed, that didn't really happen. I mean there were just sort of been all these stories yeah. I think over the time. terrorism
0: and school shooter stuff, I mean those the like terror drills and stuff like that, you know, as we discussed on an earlier show, it's like it primes you to be afraid of this existential threat. I
1: saw the most horrifying thing I have seen in a long time. It was an ad that I believe may have been shown in Australia. I, I'm not sure, but it came from an Australian source. And it was a back-to-school ad for like stuff that you would need in Body school. Body armor. <laughs> that was for for a school shooting so it starts and it seems like a normal school ad and then towards the end like the kids are making tourniquets out of their socks that they bought the little girl is sitting in the bathroom and you hear this like footsteps coming and she's like shaking and she's holding a cell phone and she like texts her mom and she's like I love you mom and then the voiceover is is it aren't you glad you bought her the phone before she died like I mean I was like what is this like I don't know where it aired that's
0: messed up millennial advertising
1: I was like I mean I literally like my jaw dropped and I was like the world is sick if this is like something that isn't I mean I showed it to a couple of people and they were like this is a spoof and then like halfway through we're all like no it's not a spoof it's like a real thing and it was for sandyhookpromise.com or .org and I didn't oh 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 so
0: it was uh all right so I'm sure that it was like a gun control group oh yeah yeah so it was like a fake ad a fake back to school ad that's but, pretty effective propaganda.
1: Well, it is, and and remarkable in the sense that I'm talking about it. But yeah. I, like, I didn't go to the website because I was I, I want to send traffic to whoever sick-minded person made Dude. this ad and totally like upset my Saturday morning for like four minutes. That's
0: interesting. Now I do want to. I want to. I, wanna I, I will send it to. you. i like, the I'm show like. This notes. is fascinating. These people, they're they're doing the work.
1: Dude, <laughs> and their game is so much better than our game because we are reasonable people who actually want reasonable outcomes. <laughs> (laughs) And I don't think these are reasonable people. Now, of course, if you actually do think that the world is ending, then maybe these outcomes seem reasonable. Maybe you do need, I don't know workforce housing in the millions with, I don't know, like not air con ch- and not heating. Right, I, yeah. I don't even understand, like, you know, how, how, yeah. how is this war? Uh, what is the, is it the war on climate? Is it the <laughs> war on fossil? Like, what is the war we're fighting Humans. Here?
0: It's the war on humans. I mean, It's it always a, the war on humans. It is a
1: little bit, right? Uh, so well, what are some of the. Uh,
0: well, I just, I just wanted to, just to finish up, I, I I've taken you know, 20 minutes to tell this story. It's not even a story. It's just a vaguely, uh, collected point of things. But, uh, yeah, so I, I was hyper-skeptical. Um, I continued to be hyper-skeptical in my twenties. And then I noticed that a lot of the smartest people that I was reading, you know, I was reading their work and they thought that climate change existed uh not in the insane catastrophic everything's gonna be destroyed way, but in the way of like this is definitely a real phenomenon that needs to be looked at. And if people, you know, people are all about overcoming environmental problems. That's what we do as a species. So like if it's a real problem, we should be aware of it. So I kind of went down that road a little bit and the um Johann Norberg I believe, uh, is the mm,
1: Bjorn. Bjorn b- yeah. All these birds, all these birds, all these
0: Scandinavians, man. Yeah,
1: I mean, I read that. I, I read parts Bjorn of Bjorn
0: Lomborg word.
1: Lomborg. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, the skeptical the, environmentalist. Exactly. Yep.
0: Yes. So, and that guy's really interesting and it's funny to, the critiques of him from like the, the, the extremes are kind of funny to read because they hate that he Everyone recognizes hates that there's it, a problem. Which think yeah. he's right. Yeah. And, and his whole, his whole read on it is basically like, yeah, this is a real phenomenon. Um, the way to get around these sorts of phenomenons is with or phenomena is with phenomenons uh, mm-hmm. is with Num-a-nums. technology and cultural technology and uh, addressing the problems in a way that allows humanity to continue to flourish which is like again what we do um,
1: well and he Actually has some really, you know, he wrote that book, and it's probably a decade ago yeah, now, called The environment, uh, the Skeptical, Skeptical Environmentalist, yeah. right? And that got everyone's knickers in a knot. And yeah. then, you know, and he's just been out there since then. I actually, yesterday, uh, in preparation for the show, watched a really good interview between him and Jordan Peterson. It's maybe like four months old. So mm. it's fairly new and it's out there. Uh, Jordan was talking about, yeah, we're going to get like 10 million views and then everyone's <laughs> going to know. And I was like, yeah, it's been four months and it was only like <laughs> 250,000 views. It's so not,
0: it's, He doesn't have a very like galvanizing, exciting message. It's like we need to give smart people the resources to fix these problems.
1: Well, but he actually, what I found kind of interesting is part of his approach was less Let's fix, you know, global warming or cooling or climate change. His is more like let's fix small, achievable problems like TB, which apparently we can eradicate all TB in the world for two billion dollars. I'm
0: like, that'd be worth doing.
1: Why aren't we doing that? Hey, you know, Bill Gates and all you guys who are like going around vaccinating people maybe I would do TB first. And, and do like you know?
0: eliminating malaria, which is also kind of important.
1: Yes. <laughs> and 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 interesting with malaria, of course, is if the planet is heating, I mean, no one can really decide. And and part of the question too is even if the planet is heating, is that man-made phenomenon or is this just a cyclical right. mm-hmm. planetary thing that does happen? We do know that hundreds of thousands of years ago, the planet was hotter and the planet does I mean, change. Yeah.
0: Even in the 20s, the planet was hotter. Yeah.
1: So, you know, and, and no one knows if the numbers are right, I mean, that is one thing I've read as well, right? Yeah. So, there's this urban heating metric, right, where they started giving these numbers, and they were saying these, you know, it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Yeah. But if you actually go look at the data, it's like, well, you started measuring things differently. You used to measure this in a field out somewhere next to a pond, and right. now you're measuring it, you know, next to the train station in downtown Manhattan, you know, on the cement,
0: right next to the <laughs> black reflective or black buildings. Yeah. No, I know. And so I, I think that there's a lot of like overpitching and because there's a lot of different incentives here. So like you have people where uh, your alarmism brings you more followers, more money. Um, you have people where uh, trying to stop policy change helps their companies financially. You have, you know, there's all kinds of different incentives pushing and pulling here uh, that make it harder for there to be reasonable discussion about the actual issue. Um but and yeah, just I,
1: because it's global, right? right? That's the other challenge, right? So if if you're someone who's And we have like, much
0: better records here probably than in other places because we've been, you know, living in a bureaucratic Western society where we do things like take records every whatever. Yeah, um, and,
1: and there's of course that debate as well between sort of the developed world and the developing world, mm-hmm. where it's it's the hubris of the developed world saying oh, well, you know, we got to burn the coal and we got to do all of this that got us super rich. But hey, Brazil, hey, India, hey, you know... Uh, Russia might be offended, so maybe let's not throw them in that pile. But you know, the developing world—Bangladesh, whatever—we yeah, right? just Canada, want to kick that
0: ladder that they're standing on. Yeah, it's on, like, right out uh,
1: you guys don't get to, you know, come up to first world yeah. levels. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem entirely fair yeah. either. Yeah,
0: no, I know, and that, and and that's the real other issue too is that everybody in, uh, as Jonathan Haidt calls them, weird cultures, uh, we're all. You know pulling our hair out about this and even if we change what we're doing the the top polluters china you know india russia they're not going to change what they're doing
1: well they won't change right economically right people say
0: hey like now i have a house and also six fingers i would like to have a house <laughs> and a normal number of fingers <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds stark, but... The, like,
1: <laughs> I mean, I think we're probably going to go down to four fingers before we go to six fingers. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. But,
0: no, but that's... I mean, it's the story of humanity. You, people become richer, and then they... Raise their baseline level of what is an acceptable way to live, which and is
1: which is actually wonderful and awesome, and the gift that the free markets yeah. give us. Right, it's
0: just unfortunate when there's a ratchet effect that makes it so that you know the criticisms of the problems problems overshadow the uh, bountifulness of of the rest of the you know uh, solutions that the system has offered in terms of you know economic growth and. The ability for people to live in a way that was unimaginable, you know, 40 years ago, really unimaginable. Like the I the, the I'm I'm at a recording studio in my house in front of a giant television, uh, and I can you know pull up my phone and get a ride somewhere, and like also I have a phone that connects me to everyone in the entire world. Like it's all these things that are literally unimaginable. Uh, 40 or 50 years ago. It's,
1: it's so amazing. Um, they, they were talking, and I think it was in that interview where they said, uh, they had asked, I think it was in like 1823 or 93 or something. It was a long time ago. Uh, people asked futurists, you know, what what will the future look like? Oh, right? yeah. And, um... They're wildly wrong with their predictions, <laughs> of course. I mean, the closest was the pneumatic pipes, right? Those pipes that you could like send stuff, oh, right? The like envelopes, the envelopes, yeah. Yeah, so sort of you would see them in banks and whatever. And there was one guy that sort of predicted that in a way where you're like, well, if you extrapolate that, that could possibly be like almost emails, <laughs> but also kind of a telegram, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, so my point being... No one can really predict the future, and it's hubristic for us to do it. We don't even understand what's causing these problems, right. and so for people to be saying we need to make these like huge, giant global shifts that also have financial shifts that are actually gonna make people in the developing world worse off, You know, like, these are big, radical, crazy ideas uh, where they're talking about, like, you don't get to have aircon, You're not allowed to have heating. You're not allowed to have, you know, cars anymore. We're going to have, like, these weird buildings. I mean, AOC. Yeah, we're going to retrofit every
0: building in America, including my house, too, I guess. They're going to come out here.
1: I mean, you know, let's let's get some subsidies. I I guess we're all
0: going to do it. No, but, I mean, we'll probably just have to, like, take on a renter or boarder or three that the government organizes to, to pay our fair shares, right. you know and, what I mean?
1: And and you know, and that'll be you giving back affordable housing because you know, let's let's punish you for your privilege. <laughs> exactly, there, you know.
0: You own a house, you bastard. Right? Don't you know people don't own houses?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I in some ways I'm glad all of this is happening because the level of reth- rhetoric and just the the. For lack of a better term, like the stupidity of everything that's out there. I mean, I'm just at the stage where I'm literally gobsmacked. Like, you know, and I've gone to a fair amount of, climate change talks in the past six months. There have been several here in New Hampshire. I mean, mm. and I've had everything from Looney Tunes, like Lord Moncton, to genuine like, people who've written best-selling books, who are a geologi- uh not geologists, um, me- meteorologists, meteorologists, people who you know understand the weather, who've studied the weather, who understand weather patterns and all of that. And a lot of those people are very also skeptical, right? Because yeah. we know that a lot of the most alarmist information is coming out of academia. Right. And if well, we and not just academia, money... but out
0: of activist circles. I mean, that's the thing is that they like activists don't have even they don't have the qualms that academics have about like, oh, this needs to be able to be reproducible and peer reviewed. But, like, but, activists but most of
1: academia stuff. is not peer reviewed anymore. I mean, or yeah. I shouldn't say most of it, but but like I mean I'm very skeptical about <laughs> Lots of stuff, <laughs> like a lot of the stuff that just comes out of academia now, where I don't feel like it's it's peer reviewed, or there there have been things where they can't actually replicate an experiment, yeah. and then when you go back and they say, well, you have to retract this from this paper, and they they don't. Hmm. You know, so I i guess the thing is, what what makes this frustrating for me is it's such a big subject, right? Yeah. And because it's global, planetary, like all of this, right? And so everyone has to work together. And then, like, the solutions are just not that great. But maybe we could talk about what are some no, I mean, of the, the things the, that people the want to do. The
0: solutions, it's like, you know, the 1920s all over again, we need to nationalize industry we need to you know uh take lots of money from the wealthy we need to redistribute it efficiently and it's old ideas i mean that's the the bottom line i mean so and let's let's also kind of wrap background onto one one thing i did want to say with uh greta mm-hmm. i mean um yeah. So to go back to the point that I was making 20 minutes ago, <laughs> she I, I don't think that uh, she's being exploited, per se. I think that she probably sees this as an opportunity to expound on something that's very important to her. And 16 year olds are people, too, and they can have strong opinions. What I do think is concerning is that, like, I've you know, I've gone and talked to a therapist before uh, and. I know some stuff about cognitive behavioral therapy and about sort of the ways that people approach um, dealing with thoughts that negatively affect your life and negatively impact your life. And, you know, one of the things for if you're dealing with like depression and anxiety, um, you're supposed to avoid what's called a catastrophizing thought, which is when, you know, oh, I stub my toe it's probably going to be broken. It'll probably get infected. I'll have to get my foot cut off. Then I'll have, you know, then I'll probably get up to the knee cut off and then I'll just probably die. Like, <laughs> like So you might be able to tell that I'm a person that deals with anxiety and depression. Sometimes and I'm pretty good at catastrophizing. I can pretty quickly come up with a worst case scenario. So, but anyway, the, you know, and all these things that uh, I've read about this young woman, they, she, that those are issues that she deals with. And instead of, uh, telling her you know to to like play outside for a minute the adults in her life are like no yeah you're right your catastrophic thoughts are dead on and not only that but you need to become a prophet of those catastrophic thoughts like really amp it up talk about how much like worse than the worst case scenario it's going to be and that to me is uh
1: See, but that's where my t- exploitative that's me- really term came up. from because you yeah. got there yourself, or you were catastrophizing right. on <laughs> the own thing, right? Right.
0: Well, it's but- like that's. What, I don't think that they like. I, I. I would guess that nobody involved sees themselves as exploiting anyone, and everybody sees it as like, I'm like, I believe what she believes. I'm giving her a voice, but nobody's thinking about it in terms of like, hey, maybe being this pissed off about a very vague issue that you have no tangible proof of i mean it makes me think of like joan of arc you know she's super convinced that she talked to god and lots of people were like sure all right let's fight with you (laughs) you know yeah you're right god did talk to you um and I, i don't know i like nobody in that i don't think that there there might be some people that are like nefarious actors that are like me I twirled my mustache and now I can reutilize this but i think that most of the people are like they, they're they're actual believers in what they what they profess to believe.
1: I mean, sure. You know, someone gave her the boat, the PR firm, right. you know, helped do the media. There's a way that this went but viral. Firm, like, I don't if, know that none of those people are exploiting the situation for their own, you know, capitalistic gain, perhaps. Yeah. You know, well, but, they're all
0: Scandinavians, so they don't uh, <laughs> they don't believe in ca- as we discussed <laughs> earlier. No, I'm just...
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if you saw. Did you see uh, uh, President Trump's uh, tweet on on the subject where he so he tweeted uh, something at Greta where he was sharing a wired article, I think. And he said something like, oh, isn't she like a happy young lady looking forward to her you know, beautiful future or something? I mean, yeah. I can look up the actual quote, right? <laughs> okay. And so I guess Trump was sort of trolling her, right? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's kind of mean. But that's also like, that's Trump, you know, whatever. That's just the way he plays. And, and and you know, anyone who's going to judge Trump on his tweets, I'm like, well, you're setting yourself up for butt hurt because <laughs> he's, he's he's playing everything. Everyone, right, yeah. But then what I found interesting is they took that quote that he said about her and made that Greta's profile sentence on Twitter. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's someone else who's playing a very clever game. I don't know if it's her, right? Yeah. But okay, so the president says something super snarky, mm. but on the face of it, quite a lovely quote, right? You're <laughs> yeah. a happy girl who's looking forward to a future, right? Yeah. Um, And so he's trolling her, but then the fact that that goes up as her description is her trolling him. Yeah. And so I'm like, once I saw that, I was like, okay, everyone here is playing a game. No, and
0: everybody's enriching themselves in one way or another. Not hence uh, us
1: doing this very, very uh, interesting, topical, exactly (laughs) podcast. We're
0: we're a part of the web now too, but. (laughs) (laughs)
1: We are one of 700,000 podcasts out there, folks. uh,
0: So like more generally though, I, uh, children are believers, right? Like that's like the, the mark of being a child is that you believe in things. You believe that Santa's real. You believe uh, the lies that your teacher tells you. You, you believe that adults have things figured out, you know, there's, there's this whole set of stuff that like it's modes of, of uh, cognition that children have. And so it's no surprise you know political movements and religious movements throughout history have there's always a kid that's willing to be out in the front and be, oh, I, oh I super believe and then you get the affirmation of some huge community and for that kid it's like you know eating jars of honey it's awesome but But, you
1: know and, and now i'm just thinking like imagine if we were to allocate resources right so so part of what we're talking about here is you have to allocate resources to this problem right and you know i was driving up our street and as you know uh we heart west we here in west you know manchester we do litter pickups and stuff so i've become like hyper aware of like pollution yeah right street pollution and i was like you know instead of this like meta level of stuff i'm like i would much rather see like on a local level people starting to go hey well you know maybe like we just start with a trash pickup in our own yard That just goes to show your
0: comfortable privileged lifestyle that you're willing to look in your fancy yard that you own
1: well, oh actually, my no, God! I'm, I'm looking at, <laughs> uh, uh, on the streets that you know I pay to pave, and in
0: your beautiful first world. S- no, sorry. What I'm what I'm doing here is being like a prophet of joylessness, um, <laughs> which is what I see a lot of this stuff as. And uh, like part part of also uh, again, this is gonna. This isn't what the actual uh, scientific discussion is about, but I think part of the climate change discussion is. Um, you know, Mencken said, uh, "What is it? A, a Puritan is someone that's worried that some or somewhere someone's having a good time." Right, um, and then
1: and then also his <laughs> quote about the hobgoblins, right? Do you know that one of the M.L. Mencken? Is what? that who we're talking about? Yeah. H.L. Right. Mencken, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and he where he talks about, um, you know, like how they scare you with. Uh, uh, I can find the quote, but right. um, it's basically like everyone will come up with something manufacture something in order to create an opportunity for them to do what they want. And I right. think climate change to some extent has become that because it's such a big, you know, issue. But well, I, I'm sorry. Go-
0: I was just going to say that. I mean, the, the thing is uh, with like this Puritan outlook, like he was talking about prohibitionists back then, he was talking about people trying to ban alcohol. Um, but there is a prohibitionist impulse um, that comes from, I don't know where it comes from, like Puritanism and American politics from way back when. From your people, yeah, probably. Hey, they weren't Puritan; they were Dutch. (laughs) Those Dutch ones were just merchants. They're just having a good time. Oh yeah, but uh,
1: (laughs) I I come from the Dutch. They were there
0: for the party. (laughs) No, but um, so anyway, so the there's this idea that if you are experiencing joy, it means that you're not aware of all of the problems and sinfulness and pain in the world you know what I mean like and it's exemplified by like the emo teenager that's like how can you guys be having fun playing basketball when there's a war happening you know what I mean? like you're like you're not allowed to have fun because I'm morally superior so <laughs> and, and I feel like that carries out like there's that needling impulse in a lot of the stuff about this where the idea that you would be so naive as to think that picking up garbage on your American street, you want to make your place nicer while the people in India are going to be underwater. I'm glad your neighborhood's going to be clean. You know what I mean? Like you, it's, it's just ridiculous. And it's such a poisonous way of thinking.
1: Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm past that stage. I mean, you know where the final line for me was on those issues is when I realized that, you know, especially from the progressive left, um, because of all this language about privilege and and all of that, right? So I'm like, I, I my hypocrisy alarm is very high, right? So yeah. I'm like, I you know, you can take whatever position you want, but it has to, for me, be rational and logical from start to finish. And then right. I'll, I'll go ro- along for the ride, right? But what I see now, and, and we see it with climate change debates, we see it with gun control debates, we see it with any, like, big issue debate, right, yeah. is... It's like oh uh, let's say bullying is bad bullying is bad except if I'm bullying a white male because then it's good because they have white privilege I mean it's sort of an extension of your don't you know right. don't pick up the garbage in your own right, backyard right. because what are you doing to help kind of argument but it's like well no see if uh, so either we're saying bullying is bad which I'm on board with I mm. think you know let's not do that that's horrible especially with threats of violence. But I'm like, but if you're saying bullying is bad, except when we bully the people we don't like and we get to say who those people are, then it's like, well... Well, that's not
0: bullying, Carla. That's righteous anger. There's... Yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't buy
1: that. But to bring it back to climate change, right? So, So I think the first thing that's important to note is... Other than, you know, unlike what Greta thinks, um, I don't think it's apocalyptic. It's not chasmiclysmic. We can do something about it. So it's not going to end civilization. It's not true that that's the case. It is a problem. But I just want to explain. So there was some dude, his name is uh, Willie Nordhaus, and he won a Nobel Prize recently for work on climate change. And basically what he did is he tried to extrapolate from an economic perspective what the cost of climate change would be right to to actually really arrest it or fix it right and so it's 2 to 4% of gdp that needs to be spent by the end of the century yeah globally right and i'm like okay so that gives us what 80 years Mm. okay so but if you believe the the alarmists we're not gonna have 80 years but you know what the alarmists have been wrong since before time because (laughs) you know what i could show you a million stories of things where people have been like this is gonna happen right you know and it's like
0: well, it's also... It's, but it's not. Yeah. So I'm
1: like, okay, It's you know part what? of like
0: a mode of human thought, too.
1: Yeah, but I'm like, you know what? If all these idiots who are saying this stuff now, can we create a list of them? Mm-hmm. And be like, when they're wrong in 13 years, like, what's the consequence for that? Well, Nothing, huh. right? I, I
0: have I have quite a list that I'm going to read a little bit from later of uh, people that have been very wrong.
1: Oh right, Well, maybe let's do that. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, so, oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, there's this uh, list that the American Enterprise Institute came out with. I realize that the source will be seen as uh, biased because they're funded by petroleum people at some level. Uh, but doesn't really matter because it's still true. And these are all accurate links to things that people actually said. Um, So this is a 50 years of failed doomsday eco-apocalyptic predictions. And I'll put the link for this in the uh, show description too. But um, all right, here we go. Uh, 1967, dire famine forecast by 1975. 1969, everyone will disappear in a cloud of blue steam by 1989. That was the New York Times. Uh, 1970, Ice age by 2000, 1970, America subject to water rationing by 1974 and food rationing by 1980. Um, let's see. New ice age coming by 2020 or 2030. That was in 1971. Uh, let's skip forward to the 80s here. Um, Nineteen or, Well, excuse me, 1978, no end in sight for 30-year cooling trend, <laughs> uh, 19, uh, 1988, Regional droughts uh, quote, uh, that never happened in the 1990s. It was a story about regional droughts that would be happening. Um,
1: Ooh, that one, the Maldive Islands. Oh, yes, yeah. 1988.
0: The Maldive Islands will be underwater by 2018. Our, I don't think that they've sunk yet. Um 1989, rising sea levels will obliterate nations if nothing done by 2000. So it's funny. It's like you just go out about 13 years in your prediction, and then everyone has time to forget that you made it. Right. By the time and, it rolls around. And,
1: and that's part of the problem, right, It is exactly that, right? In 2000,
0: so- children won't know what snow is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2002, famine in 10 years if we don't give up eating fish, meat, and dairy. Uh, In 2004, Britain will be Siberia by 2024. In 2008, the Arctic will be ice free by 2018. Um, Yeah, that was in 2008. Uh, Al Gore predicts ice free Arctic by 2013.
1: So, so, and but, (laughs) but somehow people still listen to Al Gore and they still look at those ridiculous movies that they make, which are basically like um, disaster porn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And it keeps it keeps going on and on. And especially if you add into things like peak oil, which was like this conspiracy theory that <laughs> that we were going to run out of oil, basically. And then it's like, well, we did. And then we found out that you can frack and use oil sands. Right. And now we have more oil than ever that we're a net exporter of oil in the United States. Um, Because
1: technology is a wonderful thing that will make the future brighter and better for everyone. And yes, there are problems, but you know what? We'll solve them.
0: Here's maybe my other favorite is uh, 2005, Manhattan will be underwater by 2015. That was ABC News that reported that. Um, So I can't imagine why children would think that the world is ending uh, <laughs>
1: but but can you imagine if we just had one tenth one tenth of the messaging that actually, just covered these stories and said, well, kiddos, they lied to you here, 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 here. Maybe you should take everything you hear with a grain of salt, but none of that ever happens. So it's left up to people like us to be like, (laughs) you know, and, and I think that's where we get these extremes where, you know, you, you, if you counter anything, right. If you're just trying to have an open debate about an issue and to say, well, I'm not sure. Like, I'm curious. I want to learn more. Like you're not even allowed to, Ask those questions anymore and that's a part that i really resent right. Like language like climate denier right
0: no th- it's and that's like what, what I, does that even mean that's what i mean at the beginning and then what that kind of language does is that it creates then the people that are called climate deniers are like all right you want to call me that fine i'll be that you know <laughs> like it's the same as the like everyone's a white supremacist and it's like oh 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 am i am i All right. Like, and then some people start acting that way because you tell them what they are. And it's like, you know, I never thought about, but you know, I've been reading a lot about it now. And I think I, it's like, it's crazy. It's, it's so divisive and it creates a reaction Uh, And the other side.
1: Well, yeah. And then everyone starts to double down on their dumb ideas, which would be fine if we weren't taking money from one group of people to spend on someone else's dumb ideas. Like, if everyone just had to pay for their dumb (laughs) ideas, you know, people on the one camp, you know, bring you fracking and really cheap oil. And people on the other camp want to, I don't know, like, enslave you and bring down the cost of living for the entire world. Well,
0: and run a bunch of, like... Solyndra type scams and, you know, these big government contracts for quote unquote green energy that'll just get eaten up with so much fraud. It's going to be hilarious if any of that ever happens. But uh, no, I mean, with all of these issues, it's like uh, I think that the the worst part about it is the way that the discourse is being carried out. And in a way, there's no better representation for both sides than a 16 year old being super sure of something.
1: <laughs> but I also, you know, and I have to honestly confess I mean, I see memes and stuff in, in my feeds, and but I have never actually listened to a speech by her. Yeah. I, you know, I just. Uh, I listened to the UN
0: one because I was interested in seeing, you know, just what the deal was. And uh, yeah, it was just a lot of like recrimination. I don't, that's what I don't understand. Is, How
1: dare you? Yeah, exactly.
0: Right? Uh, I, sh- I shouldn't be up here. I. <laughs> Something is terribly wrong. Anyway, but, like, yeah, it was just, like, uh, I didn't understand what's compelling about it other than it's, like, a child in distress, you know? Which which is compelling because you're like, oh, God, that poor kid. I don't want that kid to be so sad. Like, it's – but there was no, like, evidence or there there was no – there, it wasn't an argument. It was a recrimination. Okay. It, it was like if, again, to take that, if if I had gotten the opportunity to go up and speak about the freaking United States and global drug control policy, which I was furious about, and I had been like, how dare you? We are the ones that are in pain, and you sit on your thrones eating your fancy cakes. Like, it was just, you know, that's what it, it was. It was very low content. Lots of recrimination. You're bad. And, Uh, how can you be so bad? I am, but a child and yet I see how bad you are. (laughs) Um, and I, I don't understand what's compelling about that. I mean, I could find a bunch of kids that tell you about how being gay is bad. I, I, you know, they're out there in America. They could go speak to the UN about how homosexuality is a sin. Uh, but for some reason, I don't think that that's going to happen. Like the strongly held beliefs of children are not usually admitted as evidence. (laughs)
1: Agreed, which once again is why I was kind of surprised when you were like, oh, you don't think she's being exploited. I'm like, well, clearly she is being exploited because why – like how did she – the exploitation lies in the fact that we both know who the hell Greta is and why she got on a boat and how she got to speak at the UN.
0: But if I was doing that, I wouldn't feel exploited. I would feel empowered. She's being empowered by the people around her who are also – arguably exploiting her I mean
1: you know I know what I mean like I, I, okay so maybe yes maybe from the lens of you're you're looking at it from Greta's perspective of course Greta isn't going around going I'm being exploited but what I'm right. saying is I do think she is being exploited and um, the fact that we're talking about her yeah. <laughs> makes yeah, yeah. me think I'm I'm probably right
0: yeah possibly um, I don't know I I think it's that's sort of like a a matter of definition. I don't know. I try to, uh, again, like, I try to give the extra benefit of the doubt to other people and think about it as though, like, because I think the actual nefarious planning is is kind of uh, not that popular, and you have to be pretty smart to pull it off well. So, like, usually it's people that are doing what they think is the right thing for their belief set, not being like, well, really get them this time. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I don't know. I I, I, tr- I, tr- I try to be, uh, I mean, like, as charitable uh, as possible.
1: Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. Because so,
0: think about, you know, some things that you care about if you managed to pull off something awesome uh, that involved, you know, that there were kids involved somehow. Like, are were you exploiting them? Like, does it, it changes as soon as it's something you like.
1: Right? <laughs> well, I think it changes depending on, like, what the – yeah, fair enough, but what the outcome is, but also whether – Once again, money was taken from one group of people and used, you know, for whatever my great ideas, like my, my advocation would probably likely be why doesn't everyone just get to keep their money and spend it on what they like, you know, I mean, honestly, I've started rolling around with I, I bought it in South Africa when we were there in December um my own straws like i got a copper straw and like i have it in the car now so that i don't have to use the very inefficient (laughs) useless paper straws which when we were down in south carolina recently you know that's i guess the law changed there because everyone's handing you paper straws that please listen to me very carefully folks (laughs) they do not work Paper, oh, yeah, sticking paper in liquid is a very <laughs> dumb way of, con- uh, dumb conduit for liquid is paper, right? So these things melt, they bend, they, they yeah. break when you just try and stick them in a cup. So then I was like, well, this doesn't work. Can I get another straw? So then we got, you know, then they give you a plastic straw with a very, very heavy sign. Oh,
0: yeah. Fine.
1: <laughs> And then I was like, well, that one didn't work either. So now I was at some place where I had to get like three of those cocktail straws to replace one paper straw. And I was like, okay, does anyone see? Now I've used four, I've used five straws. For one plastic straw, yeah. and then I was like, "Screw it! I'm just gonna go find my copper straw that I bought, and I'm putting that in the car, and that's what I'm using going forward." So, well, and that's actually I'm taking my own human action. Yeah.
0: So this is this is actually an interesting uh, sort of window into. So we were talking about why people want global solutions and not local solutions, basically, and I think that it's uh, there's so much uh, learned helplessness that people think everything is so big that I can't change it. You need the powerful government to change anything, Um, which is why these straw bans jumped so quickly. And it's like, you could just say, I don't want a straw. Why don't you just say, I don't want a straw. And then you don't get a straw. You know, you could change that yourself. Because, (laughs) because
1: I mean, in a perfect world, that's how, I would want it to work, right? Yeah. Like, I would want everyone... And you can
0: advocate that other people shouldn't use straws. Exactly. Tell other people, don't do this thing. It's bad. Like,
1: I would rather see all the <laughs> money that was spent trying to push this law nationally because it's all right. over every, you know, every state because yeah. that's basically how the socialists are rolling now. They have, like, a playbook a national and platform just that they roll out everywhere, into every single state. Which you can see in the
0: legislature in New Hampshire when you're you... reading stuff and you're like, uh, what? Where was this written?
1: Right. This is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's really bad, yeah. guys. You know, like, I mean, I do think there's a subtext of a socialist takeover and that it's actually, like, it's not even hidden anymore. I mean, it's out in the open. Well, and and it's most, like... most
0: people, I mean, don't even understand that there are state governments. Most people think that there's a federal government. You know what I mean? That's, uh, the, like, the level of understanding of civics is such that most people think the president's the king and the government's the federal government. And then you have to do, like, some DMV stuff or something, with but, the state. But right. They do something. I don't but, know. But,
1: but, but, well, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, here in New Hampshire, I mean, we have a $13 billion budget. I was yeah. like, what are we even spending $13 billion on? But, okay, that's a conversation for another podcast. But what I was going to say is instead of having, like, all these people try and change the laws of things, Right. right? I'm much more interested in persuading private people to do things that we want in, right. in a way through persuasion. So you could right. probably, for the same amount of money as trying to pass the like no straw bill,
0: run a public education probably, campaign.
1: You could probably have hired an advocate to stand at every single Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks in the country and just tell people, hey, I think it would be better if you... and hand them a different straw. Like, if we're actually going right. to do things, like, uh, can we... Like, you could they're, just they're mail cost- a silicon straw
0: yeah. to everyone in the town. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, or yeah. probably for the same price to every, like, uh, you know, like... Every uh, household. Every ho- it's just, you know, yeah. so... One of the, my takeaways of that conversation um, between Jordan and Bjorn was sort of when you look at these cost-benefit analysis, like you actually, people don't want to hear this. He's an economist, right? Mm-hmm. Bjorn is the economist. And he's like, look, we have to look at it through a cost-benefit analysis. People don't want to do that because they want to look at it through their heart and right. their emo and whatever. And so he's saying, look, let's look at what makes the most financial sense and a lot of his solutions are actually ones that would lift the the developing world out of poverty yeah. it's ending certain kinds of diseases it's right. ending um mothers dying in childbirth i mean something like i think it was 6 it was 6 million children die in childbirth still worldwide yeah and what was interesting to me, because, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, wearing a devil's advocate hat, I was like, oh, no, but all his solutions are just making more people survive. And, you know, I think a lot of the progressive left, although they don't want to admit this, are eugenicists. Because well, and they think
0: that people are evil. In a, in a weird way, it's like they're evil until they get turned good by government.
1: Yes! <laughs> But then it's like, but government only they, gives you evil outcomes. They, they like, kept... I'm still asking, can you come up with, like, some good examples of, like, great things governments have done? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, there's been great, like, uh, building projects, for sure. There's been great, I mean, I think that, like, justice systems. The roads,
1: you literally went with the roads. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and public works, right.
0: stuff. I mean, Hoover Dam's pretty impressive. That's, like, there, there's some stuff that's pretty impressive that...
1: Well, it's impressive. But the question is, I mean, could the private market or some other way have figured it out? Maybe, right?
0: Maybe. I think that court systems that are generally trusted are actually like and everybody's cynical, oh justice is bullshit, but like really compared to the options available in other times and places in history. That's a pretty great innovation.
1: I mean, the, the sad part is here, I think, you know, we just from a rule of law standpoint, yeah. uh, back to the Snowden book for two sacks, like where he talked about how they changed the definition of attain, obtain in terms of like when they're building the secret database of yeah. all this information. Right. And so the government was just like, well, I'll just change the definitions of these words and Why that way we- we're not breaking the law. So, yes, in theory, the justice system in practice, no wrong. longer the case either. Right. Right. right.
0: I mean I I guess yes, but again comparatively like at least they have to pretend to operate under a standardized system whereas in all other systems it's just oh, get screwed. I'm powerful. You know, like there's no there's sorry, recourse doesn't exist. Maybe I'll kill your family too.
1: Well, I, hey, <laughs> I mean, I think there's a middle ground between these two extremes, much like there's a middle yeah. ground between all the. Extremes I don't know if feudalism was based. Of, well, of course, but you had asked if
0: government has ever done any, like has any successes, and I think that like through the history of human history, that's a that's a pretty big success: the concept of uh, reliable court systems where you can reliably bring someone in for a lawsuit and have it judged by an impartial judge. Like that, that's been a sort of kind of theory in a lot of places. And it's been fleshed out much more fully over the past, or well, you know, from like 17, whatever, to 1900 uh, ish. <laughs> <laughs> <So laughs> right, right before the Supreme Court started just making stuff up.
1: <laughs> so here's a, um, a, so basically what, what Bjorn suggests we do, right, is he's like, here are uh, various solutions that we can use to uh, solve some of these problems. But instead of us going, here are all these problems and they're here, we don't know like what to expend resources on. His suggestion is that we, the first thing that should happen is that people should rank the order of what we think is important, right? So you yeah. can't like fix all of it at one time and just throw stuff at everything. He's also a big free trader and mm. and a shocking statistic to me uh, in a good way um was just thinking about um several things. So for every dollar that's invested in family planning, right? So allowing people to actually have children when they're economically ready for it. And like all of those good things for every dollar invested in family planning, you get $120 return on investment for these people. And then in China, yeah, in the past decade, six hundred and eighty million people, that is a lot of people, people, yeah. have been lifted out of poverty in one decade because of free trade. So when people go around and they're like, We gotta just stop doing all the things that make people more prosperous by
0: local. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like,
1: but, you know, maybe we should care about the fact that we are actually, because of free markets and free trade, raising millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people out of poverty, and we should celebrate that, and yeah. we should love our planet, but we should not just, you know, get in, on a solar I mean, boat and complain. Yeah.
0: In China, it's really interesting. Uh, we're going to wrap the show. But this should be a, a future show. But they, the deal that they made there, from what I understand, is basically – uh, you get economic freedom, but you don't get personal freedom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a scary deal.
1: And it is scary enough where we can see in Hong Kong, yeah. people are like, yeah, we don't want that system right. either.
0: And I just I read a book called Fentanyl, Inc. that has a lot about China, uh, China's chemical manufacturing industry that I think is very interesting. And that should be a future show. All but, right. Yeah. So
1: we got Fentanyl and Snowden coming on. Uh, so Thanks much. for yeah. hanging out with us, guys. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And uh, have a wonderful day. Peace out. Bye.